The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen. It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 173, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Nine-Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, brother? Mike, every day is a good day to be alive. That's great. Always well, never otherwise. Fantastic. Happy as a clam. Good. How are you? I'm good, man. My marriage is fine. Why do you and Schofield do this? We just got to update people, man, because I'm very close to becoming a meme. Of like the traditional football, like the the Aaron Nagler. <laughs> Listen, becoming the meme, like welcome to the club. At this point, yeah. like I'm not even a real person on the internet. I'm just right. a, a a nippled boy <laughs> out here just being ridiculed. Exactly, Ben. So what are we going to talk about today? What are, what are we, what are we doing here? What 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 picture fancy? What do you want to do first? I think the most important thing to talk about is how Darren Sproles is going to revolutionize the Eagles front office. There we go. Let's talk about that because we did like three shows on BGN. They were all recorded after the coaching changes and before the front office hires. So as right. always, if you want to make something happen, record a podcast and it will happen directly after that so we haven't really addressed that on this feed yet we do apologize for that that's kind of just how the cookie crumbles sometimes but the eagles have made changes to the 2020 front office and some of the changes include bringing in a new director of sports medicine that's tim hunkley hunkley hunkle 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 that makes sense i mean like i obviously i don't know i'm just gonna say it confidently <laughs> we'll but say yeah hunkle. the eagles brought in tim hunkle the Minnesota Vikings coordinator of rehabilitation slash assistant athletic trainer previously. Uh, they also made some changes. They brought in Ted Rath, who is known as the Los Angeles Rams get back coach and the director of strength training and performance. He is now the Eagles director of sports performance. Jeremiah Washburn has been brought in. Well, he's been here. He was the Eagles advanced projects coordinator. Now he's the director of player personnel slash senior defensive assistant. It's hard to keep track of all these doggone titles. Uh, Connor Barwin, we already talked about. You saw him at the Shrine game, made that link, and he's now the special assistant to the general manager. I have no clue Shout what that out. means. Uh, Brent Selleck, 
who had retired as an Eagle, is now the Eagles' personal consultant, whatever that means. And then Darren Sproles continues his career with the Eagles in a front office capacity as a personal consultant, much like Brent Selleck. So those changes have been made. It's cool to see Sproles, Selleck, and Barwin stick around with the team in, in, in some sort of capacity, Ben. Do you think... If Darren Sproles said no, Doug Peterson would have just like retired. Because <laughs> he hasn't been able, he hasn't, hasn't, had, hasn't had an Eagles team without Sproles. Can't do it. Can't just won't. He won't. Sproles do can't it. physically play. He's going to be in the front office. I can't stop, won't stop Sproles. Absolutely. Yeah. If Sproles like, no, I don't want to, Doug Peterson's like, well, then I don't want to. Because apparently <laughs> Doug and, and Peterson are just eternally linked into the Eagles uh, organization. Uh, so, okay. So I think the most important one is Jeremiah Washburn to. Uh, director of player personnel in my opinion yeah which he's also senior defensive assistant and this is like important in my opinion number one because when it was douglas and weidel was his director of player personnel so douglas was was vp of player personnel and weidel was director of player personnel douglas gets hired away by the jets Mm -hmm. and so who becomes the vp well the director so now weidel is the vp of player personnel and he's decided to promote washburn to the director position so in the event that weidel gets hired away which i don't think is like on the horizon but the eagles have had two significant senior executives get hired away very recently yeah and we talk about the importance of them having a deep bench and they're equipped to handle these moves and i think this is you know an indicator of that i agree and i think i think it's good whatever great now Washburn is in the position where he could quickly ascend up the Eagles ladder and he could be vice president of player personnel. And we all talked about how critical Joe Douglas was to Howie Rosen when he first got hired. Now, of course, there have been some Douglas picks that have been made that apparently weren't that great, which is the reality of every personnel evaluator. You know, everybody has yeah. misses, whatever. Um, but it just goes to say that like when when we all thought that was such a big deal for Douglas, well, we're now on like the guy who was behind the guy behind Douglas potentially stepping into that role. And so Washburn now is in a hugely important position in terms of upward mobility in the organization, while at the same time being a senior defensive assistant because the director of player personnel job is just not enough. Right. And also, it's very weird. It's weird because prior to Philadelphia, he was an offensive line coach from 2009 to 2018. Now, he did other things, you know, as a personal assistant. He was an area scout, football operations uh, assistant, and stuff before that. It's just weird to see, like, the offensive line guy go to it's, – it's got, like, the, the Juan Castillo thing to it. I don't think it's like that. Right. But still weird. Like And like you said, is director of player personnel not enough? Right. And so it, it's it's obvious that some of this is Schwartzy. Mm. Right. Because whatever the heck his name is, uh, uh, Jim Washburn, right? Yeah. Jeremiah Washburn's dad was assistant DL coach under Schwartz when Schwartz was there. And he's a defensive line coach in Philly. What? Funnily enough, Jim Washburn was there with Connor Barwin and traveled with Connor Barwin. Barwin had his best seasons under Washburn when he wasn't attached to Washburn. He was mm-hmm. buns. That's, that's Yo, the- we are so locked in right now <laughs> to how everything works. There's <laughs> layers to this. So anyway, so this is a this is a, a Schwartz thing, right? Yeah. Cool. It's very odd to me that you would say the guy who had director of player personnel last year is now going to be our number two. He's going to be reporting directly to Howie. He's going to be our VP of player personnel. While at the same time saying we're also going to give the job to Jeremiah Washburn, who has not really done anything in personnel since the mid 2000s. And we're also going to give him a defensive coaching job because it's not enough to be the director of player personnel. <laughs> it's like very weird, in my opinion, in terms of like, 
the director of player personnel seems pretty made up and washburn's previous role was advanced projects coordinator so he already was in a made-up job to begin with in the first place (laughs) right connor barwin's got a made-up job anyway so i don't know to me that's very odd in terms of what exactly washburn is doing i don't dispute that he has value it's just like a very weird structure yeah excited about hunkle and wrath on the condition that wrath is not an a-hole Right. Because he had that... There was an allegation. Sexual assault case. Yeah, yeah. Which I believe proven innocent or the charges were dropped or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, the Eagles have now made how many medical staff changes? Three in three years? Three in three years. That's correct. Three in yeah. three years. Yeah. Right. And I, I, I saw at the time of the changes, there was a, a conversation about, you know, eventually you have to say the buck stops somewhere else. Eventually you have to stop just changing guys being like, oh, this will solve it this time. Yes, but also no. Right. It's not like every year was complete and total turnover. And again, this is the case where it's not complete and total turnover, number one. And number two, if you don't feel comfortable with how they handled the injuries last year, you don't want to risk another year because all of a sudden you end Fletcher Cox's career early. Right. Mishandling an injury, putting him out on the field when he shouldn't be on the field, whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, it's been very frustrating to watch the Eagles last two seasons get derailed by both intensity of severe injuries and a widespread of nagging injuries that apparently don't go away yeah this happened in back-to-back years under back-to-back coaching staffs i agree that that certainly it's not enough to say i'm gonna hire i'm gonna fire this medical staff hire a new medical staff and gonna go out and continue to you know acquire free agent veteran players who have a higher propensity to be, be being banged up and just continue to blame my medical staff even if i have a new medical staff i just don't think that's the case i don't think this yeah. is like how he's trying to cover for himself or extending injury prone alshon i think the medical staff wasn't that great and I, I really think that's about as far into reading it as we need to do it yeah um, i agree so that's where i am on that and then i don't know i think connor barwin's job is going to be to to continue to provide depth of field for roseman to show how small he is yeah joe Douglas isn't around to do it anymore <laughs> you gotta have somebody standing near harry roseman be like yeah he's like five foot two he's tiny right. yeah who knows what do you what do you think of the what do you think of the report coming out of the uh Phil, coming out of philly voice i think it was joseph santa santa Liquido. excuse me if i completely butchered that that's kind of my thing is aggressively mispronouncing names i apologize but the report is that deuce daly was not interviewed for the Eagles vacant offensive coordinator position with the feeling that he's a better coach than he would be a coordinator. Well, I mean, everything I've heard about Deuce coming from players, at least, is he's like one of the smartest guys in the room. And like that's that they were they were kind of priming him for it when he called plays at the Shrine game. I want to say two, three years ago, was it maybe four years ago? But it always felt like Deuce was going to be in position for one of these things. When Grow was promoted to OC, Deuce was like the other choice that that people thought might happen. So it is interesting to see him get passed up while, you know, Press Taylor promoted from quarterback's coach to pass game coordinator. They're going out without an OC, which I don't necessarily disagree with. They bring in, you know, Scan, Scangarello and, and Breener and all that stuff. But I think it is weird that he did not get an interview at the very least. When 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 Staley was promoted to assistant head coach, it very much felt like it was a result of of him interviewing for the head coaching job when it was open and he didn't get it. And maybe it was just a Rooney rule interview. And then Frank Wright gets fired. And you're like, all right, well, not fired. He goes to the Colts. Sorry. Frank Wright goes to the Colts. And then it's like, all right, well, Staley interviewed for head coach and he didn't get it. Now they're just going to give him OC. Cool. And then he it's grow, which is lame and so okay we throw 
assistant head coach onto Staley's name, and now Staley's happy. Well, OC just opened again, and Staley wasn't even interviewed. Yeah. He can't become running game coordinator because Stoutland Stout. has that and is really good at that. If you're Staley, are you like, right. do you kind of see the writing on the wall on this? Well, okay. I, 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 my number one point is this. If Staley had gotten interviewed for OC, do you think he would have been like, this is serious? Because at some point, you probably have to be like, no. You're, you're yanking my chain, brother. Yeah, Right, like you're stop. just giving me these interviews to give me the illusion of upward mobility, which does not actually exist in this organization for me. And not for anything Staley's done poorly. Right. It's just to say that the Eagles have a running game coordinator that they really like. And they have a play caller that they really like. And what is promoting Deuce to OC really accentuate out of that dynamic? Right. And, like, you know, if it gets Staley closer to the play calling and game planning process of Peterson, mm-hmm. which just from Philly's perspective makes it more likely that he gets hired away and they lose their running backs coach. <laughs> right. If Staley expected to be interviewed, okay. But I imagine he probably has kind of gotten it that he's not going to get the interview. And then for the Philly perspective, you don't obviously like to an extent because you want to be seen as friendly to, to positional coaches. But you don't want to give your running backs coach who you like a lot a more attractive resume to go be the offensive coordinator somewhere else because it's not going to happen here. <laughs> so the Eagles and Staley are probably at the end of their rope in terms of Staley's going to continue to be looking for offensive coordinator jobs, as I'm sure he's done behind the curtain elsewhere and try to get one. And I'm sure if that, you know, continues to be uh, fruitless, he'll probably leave for a, a, a lateral move. Yeah. So as long as there's actual upward mobility with maybe behind underneath a defensive coach or underneath just a different offensive system and do different things, with different running backs there. But he's kind of capped out in Philly is, is the moment. Start. Even with assistant head coach on the title, like at this point, where else are we going to go? Right. So I don't know. I don't think Staley's long for Philly unless he just wants to be a running backs coach, which a lot of guys do. They want to coach the position they played and then not do that and be done. Yeah. Uh, so, so to me, I, I think that, Staley's going to remain in his exact role that he is. He's he is currently in Philly for as long as he is in Philly, which will probably not be that much longer. Right, I and that's agree. okay. Hopefully, yeah. he goes as a good coach somewhere else. All right, Ben. So let's kind of transition to the off season talk here. Now that we dealt with the front office and and some some coaching staff stuff here, and like this part of the off season, sitting here February twelfth is the most difficult to project moving forward. Players need resigning. Players need to walk. Players need to be cut. Free agents need to be considered and signed or not signed. And those ripples eventually find their way to the draft, which there are are similar questions raised there. And at this stage, it's like trying to put together a complicated mosaic but the small colored glass pieces are all jumbled and there's extra twists the pieces won't you there's pieces you won't need but they make it all the more difficult to get a sense of what the final product will be and, and getting a sense of that it's even harder when that you consider that me and you ben and the gentle listener you the gentle listener to use a roman term we have citizenship without the vote so ultimately we're just doing the best we can to put this mosaic back together and oh by the way we're doing it in like a pitch black room all that said There is no reason that we can't have any fun with it and at least get an idea of what we think will not only be the ideal way for the Eagles to approach this whole process, but the way that we think they will, which hopefully lines up or maybe not. Maybe we're idiots. There's a very good possibility that there is a reason that we're here and Howie and company are doing what they do, regardless of what people on the Internet will say about Howie. But building a winner is hard. But for all the the criticism 
that Howie Roseman has faced after his short stint in the sun as the man who emerged from the broom closet and having his triumphal parade. I mean, he's done it before. And you look back to what he did in the 2016 offseason, trading away Byron Maxwell, DeMarco Murray, Sam Bradford, Kiko Alonso, resigning key players like Zach Ertz, Lane Johnson, Malcolm Jenkins, Vinnie Curry, Brent Selleck, signing guys in free agency like Brandon Brooks, Ronnie McLeod, Nigel Bradham, Steve Wisniewski, and so on. Drafting Carson Wentz, Isaac Ciamalu, Jalen Mills, all guys are starters. The Super Bowl was largely won with that entire process. That was the foundation for the 2017 season. And look, I'm not trying to give Howie a pass on everything. I don't think we've done that either. But it is important to note that he has done this before, and he's obviously gone through phases of learning lessons and improving upon his flaws. So while I can't guarantee that he's going to nail the process like he did in 2016 in a way that will have a long-reaching impact like that one did after cleaning up all of Chip Kelly's disastrous mess, maybe we can calm down on the defeatist attitude a bit if you're a bit down on the guy. That's all. But what's your what's your confidence level on Howie? It's extremely high. There you go. Very you go. good. I like <laughs> him. He should keep doing what he's doing. <laughs> I and like and and you know it's it's difficult to grab the individual arguments as they bloomed during the season. Um, but like I remember when it was all he did was sign off injured veterans, and it's like, well, I'm here to tell you, off injured and veterans are the same thing. And like, you know, you have to sign some veterans in order to make the cap work with your high priced young dudes that you drafted. And yeah. sometimes veterans get hurt. Oh, he shouldn't have extended Alshon. Well, we didn't know about Alshon that he was going to get hurt and regress in 2019 when it was extended. Sometimes you extend players and it goes poorly. Not allowed to say he shouldn't have done it with new information he didn't have at the time. Like, you know, a lot of the criticism was born of the frustration of a season that underwhelmed relative to preseason expectation. Eagles were supposed to be Super Bowl contenders. Lost some players due to injury. Did not have rookies step up in a significant way in the gaps of those injuries. Andre Dillard, J.J. Artigle Whiteside. And then had a late surge, made it to the playoffs, lost in the wildcard round. Had some good players come back, play well. Sometimes it doesn't go your way. Yeah. The amount of luck that is involved in the season, like we, we always talk about. So I didn't view anything that really happened in the last offseason and the last regular season as a referendum on Roseman in the same way that like, Torrey Smith not actually really being a big part of the offense in 2017 (laughs) wasn't a referendum on Roseman because the Eagles were winning instead of losing. So nobody really talked about it. You know, it's it's part of what it is. So it's weird because the only thing it's not true. It's not true. The one thing. Go ahead. Was the Nelson Aguilar fifth year option. But we've already talked about that. I, I, I don't like the Alshon extension. You didn't like the Nelson Aguilar fifth year option. I mean, we we all have our gripes at the end of the day. This is a GM won a Super Bowl, and then they were the 31st worst in adjusted games lost, won a playoff game, the only team to do that since Football Outsiders has been tracking it. And I feel like they're going to be very similar when it comes to that when those numbers are released this year. So he's done his 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 fair bit. It's, it's hard to like separate, yeah, the expectations were Super Bowl, but with how injured they were, they had to reach into the depth of that roster to go win games. Right. So I think I think I think the best way to become a really bad football team in the NFL is to say, "Hey, we had a season that underwhelmed relative to expectation. Let's change things." Right, right, right. Like right. F- wholesale changes, not like let's yeah. recalibrate or anything like that. Let's which right, blow like, it all up. I just said, you know, I think it's a good thing that they changed the medical staff. My general right. understanding of the medical staff last year is they didn't do a very good job, and probably when your medical staff doesn't do a very good job, you should look at alternative options for your medical staff. But it, it it is to say, right, if you, you know, like, Roseman 
needs to, you know, like change the way he does this or you'll be on the hot seat or whatever. No, you know what I mean? And, and like, again, the first dude to tell you that Roseman doesn't have all the answers would be Roseman. Right. All decisions are bets is, is you know, and that's 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 the line that we love from from what he's shared at, at Wharton at Wharton, uh, the, the business school conference there at Penn after the Super Bowl season. All decisions are bets. Why, why did he say that? He said it within the context of, hey, the analytics say don't trade up a ton of picks to move up in the first round to go get a quarterback. Why'd you do it? And he was like, we needed one and we believed in the guy and you have to make decisions that are risky bets. And yep. that's what's necessary. And so decision making process has to be understood in, in, in the uh, in the paradigm, in the schema of what's the risk, what's the reward, and do we believe that there's positive value here? That's not to say, if I just make this decision, that decision, and other decisions, why didn't I just sign all the good young players who never get healthy? Well, it's because it doesn't go like that. So you have to take risk, and eventually risk catches up to you. Yeah, I, I think ultimately the way I feel about it is perhaps the reaction after 2017 of Howie Roseman is a god and he can do no wrong was an overreaction and perhaps the 2019 to 2020 feeling of Howie Roseman can't do anything right is a bit of an overreaction. That's that's how I feel about that. When we come back, I've got a serious gripe with Howie Roseman about a wide receiver he's looking at. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's coming up next here on the Kissed and Solak Show. We'll be right back. And we are back here on the Kissed and Solak Show, episode 173, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, bringing it to you. Michael Kissed here with Benjamin Solak. So, Ben, as we transition towards the offseason, I wanted to start to look at like some potential free agents that the Eagles could bring in. And since we really have like the first name that there is a link with, according to Jeff McClain, anyway, with the Eagles, I wanted to delve into him. First, let's take a look at Demarcus Robinson, the wide receiver from the Kansas City Chiefs. And before I watched some of his film today, uh, this is what the analytics said about the guy. And just like the baseline stats up first, last year was his best as a pro. He was targeted 55 times, 32 receptions, uh, 449 yards, four touchdowns. So two straight years with four touchdowns. Last year had a 67% catch percentage. This year was 58%. Those are fine numbers. The first thing that really popped out as a negative was the expected yards after catch. So if you're unfamiliar with what that is, NextGen has this great stat that takes into account all of these different factors at the catch point, like speed at the catch, proximity defenders, and so on, and gives an expected yak for that play. Then whatever the receiver gets after that impacts his x-yak differential. So for instance, if Robinson catches a ball and has a defender right on him and his x-yak is one yard, he ends up getting two yards, he's at plus one for that play, and then they tally, tally it all up for the average at the end. The Eagles didn't have a single receiver in the black in this category, and that would not change with Robertson. He was at negative 0.5. So that matches the film that I saw. He's not real dynamic after the catch. PFF, let's go to them, graded him 95th out of 103 wide receivers last year. And oh, while good. those grades are not gospel, I've always said they're at least typically at least a decent baseline. He was literally one spot ahead of Nelson Aguilar, which as we know, based on Aguilar season, that's not encouraging. His yards per out run, Ranked 95th out of 103, which oddly enough, the next worst was also Aguilar. So since we've mentioned uh, Aguilar twice, slot guy, what about Robinson in the slot? Maybe we can get some production out of that way. So, well, the guy really doesn't operate out of there. He's mostly an outside wide receiver. And when he does operate from the slot, he has a target rate that's 76th out of 79. So the slot really didn't help him out much <laughs> either. Now, they have a ton of weapons there, so I get that. But you also have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and whatnot. Uh, per PFF, 
He also had five drops with a drop rate that checked in at 12.5%. That's 93rd out of 103. And you want that drop rate somewhere in the neighborhood of 5%. If it's not going to be a concern, he over doubles that, which, okay, so bad grade, low usage, big drops. Sounds like an eagle to me if I ever saw one looking at the 2019 season. I mean, the guy had three drops in the divisional round and played a decent role in why the score was 24 to nothing. Here, here's what it comes down to to me. This, this is my concern with his production. He had one game last year where he was actually productive. It was week two against Oakland. He had six catches for 172 yards and two touchdowns. Woo. That's a great stat line. That's 38% of his receiving yards on the year, 50% of his touchdowns in one game. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe there's something there on the film because this is a this is a run where he's taking 90% of the snaps because Tyreek Hill was was out and you know the early stretch of the season. So what's the film show? Well, what I saw was that two out of the four big time receptions, by the way, those four receptions that he had in those games in that game against Oakland were his four longest receptions of the year. Oh, I thought you were gonna say his career. Okay, then that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean it might be. I can go check that, but it might be but two of them are bust. Like one, the 43 yarder was on a Yankee concept. So condensed formation. He's got the post. The guy on the other side has the deep crosser. The safety goes with the deep crosser. The cornerback on Robinson has outside leverage expecting the safety to be there. And he's not. So Robinson's going inside. There's no safety. That's easy money. And then the first one, the 44 yard touchdown is a coverage bust. The Chiefs sent three verticals to the field. The Raiders had two guys to run with it. Robinson was left completely alone. Yeah, but what did he do to get that space, Mike? Come on now. <laughs> I mean, the third one is the most impressive. It was a stutter goal against Garyon Conley, who was later traded. On the stutter, Conley shoots his hands, and Conley's jams are notoriously awful. But he whiffs. Robinson gets in good position. Like, he doesn't blow by him. But he's got a, a decent stack. Mahomes puts it back shoulder. Nice adjustment to go up in the air, fight through contact, and Robinson comes down with it for the 39-yard touchdown. And, and Jimmy Jimmy Kemsky and I were talking about this, and he pointed out that when you connect the dots, that how he liked him back in 2016 during the draft process, he was an official 30 visit. So I get dialing back on him. But, I mean, to me, this is just a, he's a 6'1", 203-pound dude with a decent catch radius that runs a 4.59 with a solid three-cone and broad jump, has marginal tape, questionable production, a case of the drops, and probably has a wide receiver for a ceiling to be generous. So if they sign him for, for depth purposes, whatever, but hopefully they do enough elsewhere at the position that he's fighting for a job. Because while he's better than some of the guys that they had to bring in off the street towards the end of the season last year, and that has value to it when you're talking about depth, even though that's an absurdly low bar, I get that part of it. I mean, there's nothing about this that would stand out to me. I'm probably making a bigger deal out of it than 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 I should be. At least not. maybe that's how it sounds. But like, honestly, this is a low impact signing to me. If it's if it's low dollars, okay, cool. This is this is not a solution by any means, and I, I'm not sure the Eagles see it as such. So, Ben, your thoughts? I so I said you're not, and 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 you're not because it's a zero sum game when it comes to free agent and draft additions. You can't. You're if if the more money the Eagles put into a free agent wide receiver, the less likely the Eagles are to draft the wide receiver early. Right. And that's my thing because people want like the Eagles to double dip. If they sign one uh, as a free agent, that that's less likely. And I didn't, I think it was a whole lot likely anyway, at least with high capital picks. Right. So the, the, the thing now that's, that's concerning is if the Eagles add to Marcus Robinson, well, all right, now I'm definitely giving some targets to him. Obviously, Deshaun's back. I'm giving him some targets. And listen, listen, 
until I hear otherwise, all the cut Alshon conversation to me is complete smoke blowing. So I think Alshon strongly is still on the team next year. I think Alshon is still strongly targeted next year. Let's not forget that after the whole Carson Wentz leak debacle, which apparently was him, he came back against Miami and had 16 targets. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) it's not an exaggeration. He had 16, I I think. But anyway. But you're right. It it makes a crowded wide receiver room that people don't necessarily love even more more crowded, especially when you take into account that they probably like Greg Lewis as a low-end wide receiver three and possible wide receiver four, whether that's right or wrong. Greg Lewis? Wow, Greg Lewis, the old wide receiver Greg coach. Lewis. <laughs> Greg Ward What's Jr. it like to be an idiot? idiot. Okay, That's so anyway. stupid. <laughs> so, Greg Ward? Yeah. Whatever. So, you add the guy, not even talking about, okay, we have to give our thing a white size and targets. Right. We got to try to reclaim this traffic and whatever, yada, 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 yada. There's, you're not spending an early pick on a guy who's not going to get that many targets. And I know that sounds stupid because the Eagles spent an early pick on a wide receiver and didn't give him that many targets last year. But that's not how that's supposed to go. <laughs> Which is to say, if Robinson, if we don't view Robinson as the solution in terms of the the skill that he brings and the the profile that he has where he wins, if we don't view that as the solution to the Eagles issue at wide receiver, then it's not so much as to say they just grabbed a guy who's not right for them it's to say they grabbed the guy who's not right for them and it made it less likely that they grab the guy who is right for them correct there so you it, go. it is a big deal right yeah. i and i'm like i've watched little to no demarcus robinson i couldn't tell you a thing about him but i agree with you in the sense that what i think that they need is a proven intermediate to deep player and while robinson has a highly competitive yards per catch profile we haven't really seen him win that way in the league at a point where you're like, yes, this is consistent and can work on a weekly basis and he can be this threat for me. So yeah, I'm not thrilled with it. I'd like it better if I knew they were going to do something else as well, but I'm yeah. not sure they will. So looking at the potential free agents, we'll go through them kind of quickly here. Is there anybody that stands out to you from this free agent class that you think is a viable target for the Eagles? Because, number one, there's Amari Cooper, which, okay, if you're willing to pay that guy a, a boat of gold, he's going to get a ton of money if he, if he hits the market. There's A.J. Green, which is like, okay, you don't like old guys that get injured all the time? A.J. Green is not your guy. So, not really excited about that. He's 32 years old. Robbie Anderson, who... The Eagles have tried to to grab before is going to going to hit the market. He's going to get a payday, and he's the burner. I, I think if there's anybody that the Eagles should be eyeing as far as you know getting a field stretcher, then then he's that type of guy. We'll, we'll see if they they want to be competitive in that market for them if they can afford that, so on and so forth. Emmanuel Sanders is 33, had a pretty doggone good year last year. Maybe he's hey, a Emmanuel Sanders said stop talking about his age. Do you see this? I know because he was good last year. He didn't look yep. thirty three, especially coming off that injury that he had. Mike, like, you don't super, look thirty three. He was super impressive. Uh, Brashard Perriman from the Buccaneers, who came all late in the year. Randall Cobb with the Cowboys. Uh, uh, bring him back, Aguilar. No thanks. Uh, Devin Funches. I'm gonna pass. And then there's Demarcus Robinson on the list. I'm taking this list, by the way. These are the top 100 free agents by our friend uh, Shil Kapadia from the. They uh, got Shil. Anybody on that list entice you? Right. So I like dedicated slot dude Danny Amendola slash Ooh. Randall Cobb slash Richard Higgins from Cleveland that's what I would want to do I would want and like you've done I, I get the whole like Aguilar's RZ and our slot and then also our tight ends play out of the slot a lot I get that and it makes a lot of sense to me but I would like the dude who I trust to just 
run the five yard option route and give me a conversion on third and four. Right. You know what I mean? And so like that's that's that is a very appealing wide receiver to pay for for me that does not break my ability to go early there in the draft if I want to, nor does it do I feel like it takes away a significant number of targets for my guys who are more dynamic playmakers. Mm. Higgins might even be more than that. Like the situation around why he stopped playing in Cleveland was super weird and he had some productive games to him. So he's a guy who I think is better than what Cleveland showed and I'd like to see him. Yeah. Um in a different system, kind of with a little bit more volume. But to me, if you add like Danny Amendola, who's paid four point five million by the Lions last year, which is half of what the Eagles played Nelson Aguilar, you bring in Amendola on a one-year deal, and it just allows you to base Alshon, Deshaun, Amendola as a hypothetical, probably will never exist because of an injury top three that has clear roles and clear definition and is comfortable. Right. With those guys, you don't have to worry about are they a wide side. You don't have to worry about a rookie. You don't have to worry about Greg Ward being a slot guy. I think that's if you're as, if you're retaining Alshon and Djax, it makes sense to just go grab a cheap slot guy on the market. Ryan Grant, mm. Seth Roberts, not really mm. Seth Roberts. He's tall. Justin mm-hmm. Hardy, Atlanta, whatever, mm-hmm. and just have those roles in place because it probably won't cost you that much money, and it it makes the you know the whole cross training thing a little bit neater and a little bit easier. So that's where I would go. I wouldn't want to spend big money on the wide receiver market at all. And like people again, people talk about Alshon and even Deshaun as potential cap casualties, which I, I strongly don't believe will be the case for either. But like that's the only way you're spending money on Amari Cooper or Robbie Anderson or AJ Green is if you're cutting money with one of your other guys. So yeah, and even with Alshon, you don't really say that much. You know, where we we disagree on what they should do with him. I think they ultimately keep him, and then when if you do cut him, you're taking such a, a big dead money hit that you have to factor that in too, as far as how flexible you are going to be with your money. So uh, a lot of big decisions coming up. A lot of big decisions for some other teams too, man. Dak Prescott doesn't have a contract yet. That's weird. Some people in Dallas want Tom Brady to replace him. That's even weirder. So there's a Dallas. <laughs> drafting Dak Prescott in the fourth round when they really wanted to draft Connor Cook and then subsequently bungling the second Dak Prescott contract I honestly like I could die right then right and I would be satisfied with the extent of my life you strike I mean for them to fall bass backwards into Dak freaking Prescott right and then be like what if instead we put ourselves back in quarterback purgatory. Yeah. To again miss the playoffs. Oh man. I would I would I would buy a framed signed photo of Jerry Jones. I'll put that in audio. If the Cowboys do not sign Dak Prescott, I will buy a framed photo of Jerry Jones to put it up in my office. Because of how happy I will be. Let's bring in Tom Brady. Let's not pay big money for a wide receiver, even though we paid big money for a running back. Byron Jones is gonna walk. Don't worry, Jalen Smith's here brother let's let's see like, how and listen, that goes if they extend Dak, which 99 percent chance they do right, then right, it's right. all fine everything else is water under the bridge they kept the quarterback they're great it's yeah, this awesome. is this is public negotiations right. but this, this is, how this is so close to being so bungled <laughs> and i'm praying it happens me too so we're going to be following that and at some point probably in the next episode we're going to talk about something other than wide receivers, because there are a lot of other positions on the field, and uh, the Eagles could do well to address some of those. So we'll take a look at free agency. We'll talk some more draft guys next time we talk. I'm also going to be talking with Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus later on uh, this week. That might be er- uh, released like early next week, but you're going to get a new BGN Radio 
all that stuff coming into your feed coming up. Ben, that's going to do it for the Kiss and Solex show. Would you say goodbye to the gentle, gentle listeners? Hey. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Kiss and Solex show here on BGN Radio. Would you appreciate you swinging by? It is the offseason, which means we're talking about Demarcus Robinson and a guy named Ted Hunkel. Ted? Ted? No, no Ted Rath. Tim Hunkel. Tim. Sorry, no Tim. Dis- no disrespect, Mr. Thomas? Hunkel. Is Tim? Timothy. Timothy. Anyway. Hey. Yeah, I know how names that start with T work. This Timothy is the Kiss and Solex show. And this is what you guys signed up for. You signed up for blathering conversation with occasional nuggets of wisdom on minutia of the eagles front office medical staff and otherwise organization it seems like the eagles have however their front office in place they have their coaching staff in place as we discussed on the previous episode so now we can fully turn our attention to the free agency period which approaches it's the combine in two weeks first where uh howie roseman and doug peterson of course will be available for quotes at the indie pressers and at the podiums and we'll be sure to get a lot of that content to you there as well as keep an eye on those prospects that you should be watching for philadelphia before we turn our eyes to free agency if you enjoyed the show Please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcasts. He's been Michael Kist on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. It's K-I-S-T. I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Next week, we'll talk to you then. We all we got. We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. B-G-N.